Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. Paul, in the first book of Corinthians, the ninth chapter, the 26th verse, he says, I therefore so run, not as one with uncertainty or not as uncertainty. And he said, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air. That's a very deep thought. He says, I don't run with uncertainty. I don't run without the surety. I don't run without a guarantee. I don't run without knowing where I'm going and how I'm going. I don't run without direction. I don't run without leading. I don't run without understanding. Paul says, I run with certainty. And I don't fight as one that beateth the air. Ladies and gentlemen, those expressions in scripture happen spiritually. There are people in this world who run in uncertainty. And there are people in this world who fight as those who beat the air. What do I mean by that? I know people who have prayed, fasted, rebuked certain devils for 10, 15 years, 20 years. They are doing everything they know in the book to do. But these devils will not leave them. These troubles will not go. That's a man beating the air. That means that their prayer does not have effect. Their commitment to deal with the issue is not working. I know people who have believed God forever for many things to change. The Bible says there are those which beat the air. Or those who run in uncertainty. Paul is bringing a very deep conversation here. He's telling us that even in the spirit, there is such a thing as walking. There is such a thing as running. There is such a thing as flying. You see what I'm saying? Perhaps let me begin with the physical, in the physical realm. Like God gave you feet, legs to walk, to run has given humanity ability to fly. The essence of all these modes of transportation is to get this man from point A to point B. And that, in principle, is the very word deliverance. Deliverance is not when a demon leaves a person. Deliverance is when this person leaves one place and they're able to go to another place in life. I've seen people to whom Deliverance has been done. Demons were cast out. 
But then you find the same individual. Five years, six years, and they're the same people. Nothing has changed on their lives. But they've been prayed for. Bible speaks of a man of whom they cast devils out. The demon goes in the dry places seeking for a place to rest and finds none. And it comes back in its original house, which is that man. Was he prayed for? Yes. Were demons cast out of that man? Yes. But they come back and find the house empty, swept and garnished. And the Bible says, and they go back and bring seven other spirits that are more wicked than himself. And they enter in and dwell in there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. The last state of that man is worse than the first. So, did they rebuke devils out of that man? Yes. Did the devils come out? Yes. Was he delivered? No. He's actually in a worse place. Are you following what I'm saying? The spirit realm, like the physical, has some sort of definition that comes with motion. A certain sort of movement. It's not a passive life. It's not a place of just sitting in one place. The spirit realm is moving. The things of the spirit are all moving. And they're moving with time. They're moving in dimensions. You see what I'm saying? Different vibrations in every dimension. And all of us function from different places spiritually. There's a person who will make one prayer. And God will answer immediately. And there's a person who will pray for years and not get an answer. There are people in the spirit who are just stuck in one place. And that is why physically your stuff is not moving as well. There are people who are walking in the spirit realm, but they are walking slowly. There are people who are running in the spirit. There are people who are soaring high and flying in the spirit. We cannot be equal. But what you see in the physical realm is that you observe that certain people seem to do better or quicker than you. What took you 10 years to do, somebody has taken 3 years to do. What took you 20 years to do, somebody has taken 2 years or 1 year to do. What took you 4 years to do, somebody has taken 1 month to do. What took you a decade to do, somebody has taken a second to do. That means that there's somebody in the spirit realm running faster than you are. Moving faster than you are. Somebody shout hallelujah. God has not called us to compare each other. But God has called us to examine ourselves whether we be in the faith. And this is a deeper question of contemplation to ask yourself individually, how fast are you moving? How fast are you moving financially? How fast are you moving spiritually? How fast are you moving emotionally? How fast are you moving career-wise? How fast are you moving? I started my banking job in 2008, I believe. And up to today, I know people we started with and some are still in the same positions that they were in 2008. They're working every day. They wake up. They're doing their level best. But they're still in the same position. Some perhaps are earning the same or slightly above what they were earning in 2008. The world has gone ahead. It has evolved. Things have changed. Prices have gone higher. You know, what it was then is not what it is now. But it's somebody who is still functioning in the glory of 2008. 
2010, 2012. There are people, if you examine yourself, you can go back to the year you really got stuck. From then on, of that year of when you were stuck, from then on, you have actually been living a life of survival. It's a very inferior realm to live in. Because God has not called us to live in the realm of survival. Now, it's a hard thing when you don't have the vision of what I'm saying. Because it also takes some vision to break out of the cycle of survival. The earth, the Bible says, was created for the profit of men. The earth was created to advantage man. Ecclesiastes. He says, moreover, the profit of the earth is for all. That is why when Cain killed Abel, God told him that the earth will not yield forth its substance to you. That was a curse. You see what I'm saying? Otherwise, if he had not killed his brother, there was a way the earth was supposed to respond to him. Are you following what I'm saying? There's a way the earth is supposed to respond to you. There's a way the world is supposed to respond to you. The ground you're stepping on is supposed to favor you. The trees you bypass are supposed to favor you because you're interconnected to everything created in this world. Remember, the Bible says from the dust he created. He formed man. He breathed into his nostrils, the breath of life, and that man became a living soul. Are you following what I'm saying? That means anything connected to the earth is of some sort connected to you. It is supposed to be agreeable to you. How do you know that you're living a life of survival? When you do so much and have little. Or when you don't have anything to do, yet you have the potential, the skill, the talent, the gifting, the competence. That's a survival spirit. God has not called us to live in survival mode. As for the world. As for the fallen world. Because there is something called an inheritance. And it is given to every child of God. The Bible says begotten into an inheritance. God has begotten us into an inheritance. Among them which are sanctified through what? Faith. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. Somebody shout hallelujah. If you have an inheritance, you cannot survive. There's a way the world works with you. But like I said, there must be some sort of movement. If I can give you a physical example, those of us who know long jumpers, huh? they go back like this. Many meters away to gain what? Momentum. And then they shoot so that they can jump what? As far as they can. And with that, they score. Are you following what I'm saying? That's the power of momentum. It is that force that moves or keeps an object moving. So when a man goes behind like this, he's trying to gain what? Momentum. So he can come and jump further. If you have seen people who shoot arrows, you don't just put an arrow in a bow and then it flies. No. You pull backward for it to gain what? Momentum. And then you release it and then it goes at the speed at which you have what? You have enabled it. And today, allow me to talk about supernatural momentum. Somebody shout hallelujah. Those of us who went through physics classes, 
There are some who went through, there are some who just survived it, and they said, God, thank you, I've survived. In our physics class, they used to tell us that momentum was the quantity of motion of a moving body measured as a product of mass and velocity. You remember that? Velocity really is speed. Don't mind the English. And so, they bring a conversation here, like I've told you in the physical realm. For example, if you want to break into a door, some doors you just hit once, but some you need to come from afar, and then come once and boom, kick it. You see? That's gaining what? Momentum. It is the force that keeps an object moving. Like it is physical, so there is such a thing as supernatural momentum. That power that allows you to progress uninterrupted. That progress that is unstoppable, regardless of what happens in life. Are you following what I'm trying to tell you? That power that cannot be resisted. That glory that cannot be frustrated. No resistance can overcome it. It is just moving and moving and moving and moving and moving and moving and nothing can stop it. God has created a Christian to move that way. Oh, let me give you an example. Doesn't the scripture say that the path of the just shines brighter and brighter and to a perfect word? That is movement. That is motion. Somebody shout hallelujah. That is motion. But remember the two things that are spoken of in the definition of momentum. Speed is not the only thing. The weight of a thing too matters. Somebody shout hallelujah. The weight of a thing also what? The density of that moving object also matters. If you switch that to the spirit realm, you're talking about the quickening of the spirit and the glory of God. Because the glory of God comes in a weight. Please understand what I'm saying. I say the glory of God comes in a weight. The more you are quickened by the spirit of revelation. Bible says the spirit quickeneth. The more you're quickened by the spirit of revelation. And you are empowered by the glory of God in its weight. You're bound to move. Somebody shout hallelujah. That is the power that is necessary. Why am I emphasizing this? Because there are many people, again, like I said at the beginning, who are stuck. You are spiritually stuck. And Paul is telling you in the spirit, we run. There's a sort of running. There's a man in the spirit who is seated and there's another man in the spirit realm who is running. You cannot have the same results because there's a man running. And there's a man just waiting for whatever will happen. If it rains, good. If it doesn't rain, yeah. If it works, yeah. If it doesn't work, it's not my time. Why is it everybody's time except yours? Somebody shout hallelujah. If you cannot move in the spirit, you cannot move physically. Some of you, your marital destinies, they are paused, literally. <laughs> Some of you, there are people, they last worked maybe 10 years ago. They last had a reasonable job. One time there's a lady 
they brought me. She had spent 17 years unemployed. 17 years unemployed. And then we prayed with her. And then she got an opportunity. And then she went somewhere to work. It was in the US. She got a job. And when she got there, she got a disease and became blind. And then she got cancer. And then we prayed against cancer. And then the cancer healed. She's still blind. And she's living on what? Social welfare. The devil is a liar. Some of you think these are jokes, but the devil can pose a person. And you wake up tomorrow and you're 60. You don't even know how you became 60. Because when you were young, you thought, no, 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 it's going to work. Hey, yeah, everything's going to be okay. No, 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 it's okay. Things are going to break through. Yeah, and you are right to that extent. But things changed in the least expected way and form. And every year goes by. You are once 20. You become 30. You know when you're 16 or 25 or 28 and you're listening, perhaps you don't even understand what I'm saying. Maybe you listen to this sermon one day and it will make sense. God forbid. I pray you get it now. Are you following what I'm saying? But it's nothing as painful as waking up tomorrow and you're like, oh, oh, I'm 40. Oh, oh, I'm 50. Oh, oh, I'm 60. Oh, oh, I'm 70. Oh, oh, I'm in heaven. Somebody shout fire. Far from me. We cannot run with uncertainty. So not only does God want you to run, but he wants you to run with understanding. He wants you to run to win. Somebody shout hallelujah. He just doesn't want you to run. No, he wants you to run to win. To win. The Bible says that they run for perishable crowns, but us for unperishable crown. Somebody shout hallelujah. Shout glory to God. So and that reconciliation of the weight of glory that will meet a man's preparation and that you will move at a momentum that is not only fast, but is unpredictably what? Fast. Somebody shout amen. In Hebrews, the 12th chapter, the first verse, again, the conversation comes through. He says, therefore, seeing that we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside, listen, every weight, comma, and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the rest that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, which is the author and finisher of our faith. So it is possible to run with weights, and some things are weights, can I give you examples? Unforgiveness as a weight. Somebody shout hallelujah. Wasting time with boys who don't make up their mind. But five years is still praying. Fire! Somebody shout glory! That's weight. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible also says, and the sin that doth easily beset us. There was a young man I was praying for, and the man was struggling financially, but was living with a woman unmarried. I don't even know how God works, but I had the Spirit of the Lord tell me to tell him 
that if he does not officially marry that woman, he will carry weight. The sin that does what? Easily beset us. Somebody shout hallelujah. That means that there is a race for us to run. How fast you run is what's important. Somebody shout hallelujah. I said how fast you run is what's important. And God forbid that you should run slower than others. Or run when you don't even know what you're running for or where you're running to. Uncertainly. Or to run with a weight. Imagine they put another 50 kilograms on you and they put you on a truck to run. How would you run? Faster than somebody who is 40 kilograms. You can't. The person of 40 kilograms will outrun you. But you see, much as this is physical, again I emphasize there is a spiritual connotation to this language. Somebody said amen. In Isaiah he says, that they, chapter 40, verses 31, that wait upon the Lord, he said, they shall renew their strength, gain momentum. And the Bible says, and they shall mount up on wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Let me provoke you. When the Bible says, now that you live in the spirit, walk in the spirit also, walk in the spirit also, I want you to understand that that's a degree of function. Very important. But I want you to understand it is the same language that is telling you to run. Like a man can walk in the spirit. A man can run in the spirit. Are you following what I'm saying? And if a man can run in the spirit, a man can soar and fly in the spirit. You know that a plane will move faster than a car on the ground. Don't you agree? It will. A plane will move faster because spaces fold in higher what? Dimensions. The higher you go, the more spaces fold. That is why when you're in a flight, you can actually see many kilometers on the ground. Yet when you're on the earth, down on the ground, you cannot see so far. Are you following what I'm saying? But... Paul brings something here. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 23. Now we are going deep. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things do not edify. Why is Paul looking for what's expedient? Why is Paul looking for what's edifying? Because he's only trying to attach himself to what can make him run faster and swifter and disconnect to what might slow him or frustrate his movement. Let me give you an example. How many people in the world have understood the life of prayer as a key of building momentum, supernatural momentum? Not many people have that vision. If I can get 1 Corinthians 10.23 and explain it, Paul is showing us that it's actually possible for a man to gain weight because of the liberties that are available. And that's a hard one to understand. That if you don't carry wisdom and the right vision of the Spirit, it is possible for you 
to express yourself in liberties that would hold you back or slow you or put weight on you that is unnecessary to run the course that you must run. Do you understand what I'm saying? Study the Lord Jesus. Was anybody richer than Jesus in the flesh on the earth? Think about it. Was anybody richer than Jesus in the flesh on the earth? The Bible says he was rich, but made himself to be poor. But he was what? Rich. Jesus wasn't poor. But there's a way Jesus did not live. Even with the abundance or the availability of everything that you know God should have. Why? Because in the liberty of expressing himself within the ambits of these blessings, he could actually have lost his course. Now it takes great maturity to understand what I'm saying. Foxes have holes. Birds have nests. But the Son of God has no place to lay. Do you really think that Jesus could not afford to have a house in every city? Is he telling us to be poor? He's not saying you should be poor or that you're wrong to have a house in every city. He's only trying to help you understand the difference between what you might have because of the liberties that are available to you and the understanding that you must carry in the things of God to let go of certain weights and some which don't necessarily come as sinful but might hold you back from fulfilling the full purpose of God on your life. And sometimes the Lord told me it is how we understand or relate with the mystery of grace. Paul gives us the example of a man under grace. And he says that I labored more than all my brethren, yet not I, but the grace of God that labored more abundantly in me. So a man under grace actually labored than all his brethren. It is the sure sign, the indelible mark that this was a man under grace. But how many people in the liberties of grace not only disrespect the way of the Spirit, but dishonor the patterns because there is forgiveness with God. There is mercy with God. There is understanding with God. Can I give you a simpler example? If you wake up and say, I'm not going to pray for one week, it doesn't mean that God will not look after you. No. The Bible says, for example, he gives bread and rain to the heathen and to the righteous alike. There are things he will give you whether you are a praying person or you're not. Do you agree? And I have met Christians who say, oh, you know, even though I've not prayed, I still am under grace. One time I met a young man and he said, you know, I think he had a problem. He used to pray a lot, but under the law. You understand? And then when he came in grace, he stopped praying. And so he was sharing me, telling me, you know, apostle, I prayed under the law and I never saw results. Then he said, but when I met grace, I would go to my bed and sometimes just say, thank you, Lord. And I knew it was enough. And I pitied him because his understanding of grace was wrong. His understanding of grace was wrong. He was getting lost in the very liberty. Oh, no, listen. It doesn't mean that if he reduced his prayer life, things would go bad. Because not everyone praying is happy. And not all who are not praying are unhappy. You agree? You understand what I'm saying? But there's a level where that conversation can be hard 
if you're praying to be happy or you're comparing yourself with the one who doesn't come to church but they are happy. That's called a lasting. That's last. It's not hunger. Spiritual hunger. And if you have not received or understood hunger, then you cannot understand purpose. You're not aligned to divine purpose. You're in the world and the things of the spirit or the things of God just for transaction. You go to church because you want a wife. Then you go to church because you want a husband. Then you go to church because your boss told you, we are going to fire you. You say warning letter. Then you told this guy, hey man, eh? it's Fanura there today. Let's go. You blessed me. I was in a broken place. Yeah. <laughs> huh? You know, we have many Christians who are living a very dangerous life. How do I know your life is dangerous? You only pray when you're in trouble. That's living a very dangerous life. Could kill you. I know many believers are in the world who just pray when they're in trouble. When trouble comes, they say, yeah, 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 yeah. Now we need to seek God. I'm fasting. I'm taking exercise 17 days to seek the Lord. 21 days of fasting and prayer. And God is faithful. You came out. When you came out, you started living large. Until the next day of what? Trouble. Oh! And then the pain one went away. You went back in your world. So you come when you're in trouble. And you see, in there was a liberty also of God to preserve you even in your ignorance because there was a grace that undergirds you either in ignorance or indifference. But what about the things that were available to us by the laws of the spirit because we understood how to function there. That God told us they were not expedient because they would slow us. That in the understanding of gaining momentum to run faster, God told you it was okay he's born again, but he's not the one. So lawfully, you were right. The Bible says do not unequally yoke with the what? So you said, aha, uh -huh, he is born again. Born of the spirit, born of the blood, born of water, born of everything. Are you following? So in there you were what? You were right. And God will tell you lawfully, you are right to have this. Lawfully. The permissive will will sustain and provide for all you need. Grace will be availed for you to walk that journey. But this is not the perfect will. And you're 45. And then some just cut away and said, no, no, boss. <laughs> they remove their shoes and said, no, no, God. Eh? Leave me. Leave me. What do you want with me? Why me? Why did you choose Carol? Why me? Somebody shout hallelujah. Shout glory to God. But this is what God is telling us. That when you understand God's vision concerning your life, he will teach you to run. I said he will teach you to run. I said he will teach you to run. Many years ago, when I started ministry, I had a question on ministry. It's a personal one. I'm not going to share it because I'm not allowed now. And not only was it honest, but I believe that that's a question many believers, ministers have concerning ministry. Because you see, ministry, you know, when you're at the receiving side, you can't understand because you come, listen, receive, go. Come, listen, receive, go. Critique, even. 
That's a wrong word. Here is not right. Here, let me see. Mm -mm. That tie is not the right one. Huh? <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? He forgot to read the last line, yet he had just started the portion of scripture. There are people who are like that in the world. So when you're on the receiving side, you might never understand what we go through here. What we go through. And then you get this big vision of God on your life. And everything around you is contrary to that vision. Not that you cannot trust God, but honestly, nothing can explain how you're going to come out of this and become that. The power to become. I want you to understand the mystery of grace. Why we call it grace. Why we call it grace. To understand the heart of God and his unchangeable plan to make sure that you become something. The Bible says he has made me a wonder and that my soul knows very well. God has not called you to live a normal life. It doesn't matter whether there are 8 billion people in the world. Even if we're 8 billion Christians, God would still create space for you to dream and he would fulfill your dreams. Somebody shout hallelujah. But there are many believers in the world who have not become yet. Yes, they are praying, but they've not become. Yes, they are fasting, but they've not become. They don't even have a clue who they are. They don't have a clue who they are. But one day something will open on this person and will say, okay, actually used to sit with this woman in Fanero. She was a normal person. Oh, 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 oh. No, no, the guy, he was in setup. We didn't know that God had put something on him. The power to become came over him. Somebody shout hallelujah. And so I asked the Lord a very important question. When the angel appears to Mary and tells her that you're going to have a what? A son. Mary asks the question, how shall this be seeing that I know not a man? That was my kind of question. Well, does she need a man to have a child? Is that the only way to have a child? You and I can answer no because you later can prove that Mary was divinely, what? Imparted and then she conceived. Because you know the story. But I want you to go to Mary's life and understand this. She had never seen a woman conceive otherwise. So that question in Mary's realm is valid. Who understands what I'm saying? For you, it's not valid because one woman has what? It's like, let me give you an example. The first time Jesus opens a blind eye in scripture, the Bible says clearly that there were all marvels because this miracle had never been seen since the creation of the world. I want you to understand that God had been doing miracles and miracles and miracles since the beginning of the earth, but a blind eye had never opened. Of all the miracles, that could happen in the earth since the inception of time as we know it. Every miracle almost happened and we saw it in the Old Testament but we had never seen the miracle of a blind eye open. And the scriptures tell us since the world began it is not hard that any man opened the eyes of one who was born blind. Now until the blind eye was opened that day if you had met a man before and asked him does God open blind eyes what would he say? No. Would he be wrong? No, but he would be using the hypothesis or the narrative of past experience. Since the world began, we have never seen a blind eye see, and it began by Jesus. 
Now go back to Mary. Since the beginning of time, we had never seen a woman conceive without a man. There are things in the consecration of God that will come and will cause you to ask such a question. That is the kind of question I was asking. Are you following where I'm going? That is the kind of question I was asking. In every generation, God puts distinctive anointings on people. You have yours. You've just not yet searched out to know what is your part. Are you following what I'm saying? You have yours. Look at Moses. What God put upon Moses will never repeat again. No man will move in the anointing that Moses ever moved in. Why? Because God needed that distinctive mark on Moses to give the law to Israel. He was a giver of the law. Yet he was not a man who did not understand the working of the law and the ministry of grace. No, he actually knew the difference. That is why he tells them that this you shall put as a testimony against you. When he was telling them to put the what? The Ten Commandments in the what? In the Ark of the Covenant. Right? Was it? He says, this you shall put in the Holy of Holies as a what? As a testimony against you. It shall be a witness against you. You see what I'm saying? Now, he didn't use the word, it shall be a witness against us. Okay? In fact, the Bible says the righteousness of faith speaks this wise. And then it quotes Moses. That means Moses knew the difference between grace and law. And he knew that his part in this narrative was a schoolmaster to lead us to Christ. He did his part. No man will ever come in that glory again. Moses finished. Are you following what I'm saying? So even in the anointed, the distinctive anointings that God can actually give in every generation, and God can actually choose to do something in you that you've never seen. No, no. Simple. Oh yeah, with God all things are possible. What do you mean with God all things are possible? What do you mean with God all things are possible? What if you're saying with God all things are possible according to what you have seen? being done. Oh, why do you believe God is going to make a lame man walk? Because it's possible. I've seen him do it. But what about a man who is believing God for something he has never seen? But he has to create the vision of possibility according to the seed God has placed in the inside of his spirit. How does that man dream? How does that man pray? How does that man believe? How does that man study? How does that man yield? Of what offense does he pacify in the yielding? Because we know that yielding pacifies offense. But which kind of offense? Which kind of offense? Okay, I'm not talking about your level of offense. Oh, I wronged this brother. I'm sorry. I wronged this sister. I'm sorry. No, there are higher levels of offense. One of which is not living to the full purpose to which God has called you. But not many will ever know the seriousness of that because they have not yet understood why they're even alive. Why they're even alive. God has called you not to be different because you have a different skin or thumbprint, but to find your unique part. And if you know how to stick to it and do your course well with the right momentum behind you, you'll be amazed that it is so, so, so evidently possible for you to leave a mark. One day, some people will say, we've never seen this. You see what I'm saying? God is not limited in how he works. God is not limited in how he works. And it's okay for you to doubt yourself because even Mary doubted. You follow what I'm saying? 
it's okay for you to doubt. But your doubt does not still change God's plan and purpose. Somebody shout hallelujah. Shout glory to God. Oh yeah, so we're talking about pressing forward towards the mark of the high calling with which we are called in Christ. What is the high calling? What is the high calling? When we have a biggest percentage of Christians in the world don't even know they are calling. If you ask this person, what were you called to be? They don't even know who they are. No wonder the church is struggling and striving. No wonder we have a lot of trouble in the church. Paul says every joint should supply and do its part that there might be no schism. Do you know why there are divisions in the church? Why pastors are fighting each other, people are attacking each other. They don't know their part. They don't know their part. No man who knows his part can fight another member. It's not possible. Because you eventually see how every joint supplies. And the inefficiency of one joint is actually the cause of division. And so you will work to make sure that every joint is supplying. Everyone is doing fully. You pray for them. You sow seed. You believe in them until they all become a success. Because some of you don't understand that if the leg is not working, it's still the same body. If the hand is not working, it's still the same one. Body. But we have people, we have legs that celebrate at the failure of a hand. <laughs> Somebody shout hallelujah. And God says those kinds of people don't know who they are. They've not yet understood the heart and plan of God entirely. Somebody shout hallelujah. But yet, when I understood this, and the Lord started to explain to me a certain pattern in life and ministry, this is what I know. I started to feel a push, a sort of momentum in the spirit as one who was on a bow and I was an arrow. And I would feel that stretch. Of course, it's hard to explain spiritual experience because that stretch might come through sanctification. And like I told you, the guy who gets behind a bit to jump, eh? when they see you moving like this, not all backward movement is regression. There are people who you look at and you think. Hey, hey, hey. There are people you look at and you think. What they're doing is taking them backward. Yet they are simply gaining momentum. They have not yet run. If they were on a slingshot, they're just being stretched yet. You have not yet seen. But sometimes some stretches take you back. Now, when I tell fellow pastors that at one time I closed the church somewhere in Kawempe, you're gifted. How? You're going backward. Oh, no, 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 brother. I was gaining momentum. I said I was gaining momentum. When 2014 came, oh, glory. When 2014 came, I knew this was a time. But sometimes you'll find yourself Disconnect from some of the liberties that are available for you, even when the gifting is pushing you. Because the anointing is not enough sometimes. The anointing is not enough. It's not enough. Look at the man Samson. At one point, his hair grew back and he still had the power to destroy the Philistine. But he had no vision. He was blind in both eyes. He needed a woman to lead him. He needed eyes to lead him. 
to the pillars to push them to kill the enemies of Israel. Are you following what I'm saying? It's not just enough to say that the anointing is there. The strength is there. Yes, the lame are walking. Yes, cancers were living. Yes, demons were fleeing off people. Yes, they were. But my vision was not clear. Are you following what I'm saying? And so, you read the scripture like, he washed my eyes with what? Self or something. He's cleaning my vision to help me see the way I should see. Because if I can see right, if I can see right, then I will launch right. Somebody shout hallelujah. So I looked at my personal life and I noticed that there are things you might find are taking you back. They are regressing you. They don't look like they're taking you forward. Yet God is in there. He's just drawing you a little bit back so he can launch you in a speed. And when he launches you in a speed, someone just, they see you pass and they say, oh, is it a bird? Is it a plane? Is it Juju? No, it's God. Somebody shout hallelujah. Shout hallelujah. That is why I don't play in the place of prayer. Because every time I pray, oh, no, no. That's why I told you, some of us no longer go to God help me. What? It is Tuesday. No! Every time we go in prayer, we are sharakote. Raboridigazo. Sikabaredeko. Shandoziba. Rokotalapa. And when you feel it is ready, momentum. How can you not pray every day? What are you doing to yourself? Have you noticed that the people who don't have a very effective prayer life are usually the same people who seek for counseling most? And prayers, pastor, pray for me, pray for me, pray. They don't even say pray, they say pray for me, pray for me, pastor. <laughs> oh, tell your neighbor, get into the game and learn to pray. Build your momentum. Some of you, what you're seeing now, eh? now, was prayed for 10 years ago. What I'm trying to tell you, wait for what I'm praying for now. <laughs> Glory to God. That's how a Christian should be. That's how a Christian should be. You're always ahead of your time. This I don't have to pray for. Uh -uh. Now I'm 10 years, 12 years, 20, 15 years. That's where we are. Fixing the next 15 and 20 years. Somebody, oh, 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 oh. Tell your neighbor, gain some momentum. That is why don't worry about the things that attack you now. Some of us, the things that are attacking us now, we fixed them 15 years ago. The devil is too late. We saw and fixed them. What you hear is just sinking sand. These are things that will pass. 
but they won't break you. Why? Because you fixed that long ago. You're running faster than they can catch you. Somebody shout hallelujah. When the Bible says surely goodness and mercy shall follow you, what are they doing? As you run, they're also running after you. Because there are certain things that cannot leave you when you run right. Hey, let me say it again. There are certain things that cannot leave you when you run right. Favor says, catch up with that one. Blessing says, catch up with that one. Money says, chase her. That is the one. Oh, and then you see a man running and everything following him. And then you give it a name. They that know their God, they shall be strong and they shall do mighty exploits. This is a season where God wants to revive Uganda. Ladies and gentlemen, build some momentum. These are days where God is trying to awaken the world. And I tell you whether you know it or not, Africa, God's eye is here. Wake up and understand what we are up to. Stop playing games. Stop wasting time. Stop investing in things that are making it weightier for you to run the race. You have only one life to write your story. Get out of gossip. Get out of slander. Some of you might even need to go off Facebook. Do you know why I'm not on Facebook? Do you know why I'm not on Instagram? Do you know why I'm not on all these things? Do you know why I don't have a TikTok account? Do you know why? I'm running. I'm running. I'm running. I said I'm running. Oh, I see what God is going to do in the world. And every time I see it, I feel like I want to pray. Every time I see it, I feel like I want to forgive. Every time I see it, I feel like I want to sow a seed. I want to mobilize. I want to go on the street. Momentum. Momentum. This is what God is going to do. God is going to build a prayer life on you. <laughs> Some of you don't even know what I'm saying, but you're going to feel the Spirit of God cause you to pray like you have never prayed before. I see a generation that is ready to build momentum. I see a generation that is ready to run. Not only is it ready to run, but it is ready to fly. It does not have time to waste anymore in chit chats and tip talk. We want to see Jesus. We know he's about to return. Hundreds and hundreds and millions of people across the world have not come to this saving knowledge. And there are many believers here who don't even know what God has called you to be. Why are you alive? Why did you survive COVID? To just get married and have children and go to heaven? To get a good can build a house? Are you here in the cold on a Thursday evening just because you need a new haircut? No, you need something better. You need something that money cannot buy. I want you to raise your voice and build some momentum now. Start to pray. Start to pray. Supernatural momentum. 
and God tells me to tell somebody you're moving from that place where you've been stuck you're moving you're moving you're moving in your ministry you're moving in your marital destiny you're moving in a financial life you're moving in your education you're moving Jesus tell God move me tell him move me tell him God move me tell him move me tell him God move me thank you Holy Ghost Sarare Gota if you're here and you've never given your life to Jesus and you said today I want to be born again repeat these words after me say Lord Jesus I thank you because you died for my sins and you were raised for my glory I believe that you died for my sins that I will serve you and live forever with you today I take you as my Lord and Savior, I am born again. Amen. Come on, pray. God revive Uganda. God revive Europe. God revive Asia. Revive Africa. Through us. Come on, pray. Listen. Somebody here, you've been sick for a long time. But I rebuke that spirit of infirmity for the sake of the service that you must do before God. Because you cannot die before you fulfill the works of God in the land of the living. Yes, I will run. Come on. May you move faster than you have ever moved. May you run faster than you have ever run. Some of you are going to fly from here. Oh, receive it, receive it, receive it, receive it, receive it, receive it. Supernatural speed. The weight of glory. You're going to touch nations. You're going to touch continents. You're going to touch communities. You're going to touch the media. You're going to touch the military. You're going to touch the education institutions. You're going to touch. Come on. Yes, I will run to you.
I go. I'm going to count up to five. There is an anointing. I don't want to leave this altar without releasing. Get ready. Get ready. Get ready. Get ready. Get ready. One, two, three, four. Five, receive it. Sharababaradi, Masopara, the prophet, the apostle, the healing minister, the evangelist. Oh, receive it, 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 receive it. In Jesus' name, give the Lord a man of praise. This sermon has been brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number plus 256-200-999400 or email us at info at You can also find us on the web at www.fenero.org. Follow us on our social media platforms on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Subscribe to our YouTube channel at Fenero Ministries International. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at the Uma Upper Gardens from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. and for our Sunday services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. at the Uma Multipurpose Hall. Fenero, make manifest.